Blog Talk Radio. with us. If anyone were to suggest that this is not a civil rights issue, 
with dire consequences, one need only look to Matthew Shepard, Tyler Clemente, and the movie Bully to stand corrected. A good friend and occasional co-host of Blaze and Rye posted his Facebook status congratulating President Obama on distracting from the real issues and using his statement as a political tactic. If we recall, in 2004, Governor Bush, I call him Governor Bush because, as George Carlin said, that is still the highest office he attained legally. Governor Bush, <coughs> Governor Bush used political fear tactics as he suggested amending the Constitution to include a federal ban on same-sex marriage. Governor Romney, I call him that because that's the highest office he will attain legally, supports this federal ban as well. Marriage, as any moron knows, has always been a state's issue. So why is it that the people who are the most big government about this are the Republicans? Doesn't that go against everything for which Republicans have, have ever stood? Clearly, it is this that is the political strategy and scare tactic, not embracing equality. President Obama mentioned it would make no sense to his little girls to question why their friends have two mommies or daddies. How is it that these little children are more mature and wiser when it comes to equal treatment for all than the Republican nominee for the President of the United States? To those who hide behind that mythical book of Hocus Pocus to make spewing hatred and intolerance okay, I ask them to go to the part in the Bible that talks about not eating shellfish and the part that permits slavery. How do you justify that? Even Shepard Smith on Fox News says Romney is clearly on the wrong side of history. Obama's statements challenge the vicious comments made by Newt Gingrich, in which he said there is a secular gay fascism among the American people. His sentiment of equality call on people like Dr. Marcus Bachman to stop his hateful practices of praying away the gay and may actually prompt him to deal with his own sexuality. The president took a stand against Michelle Bachman, who felt it was appropriate to go into tonight's show and make a joke about something that is literally killing people. Governor Bush scared people and won votes based on intolerance. President Obama is standing up for people. I see this move as one of the greatest political risks of our time, but it was a risk that needed to be taken. Mayor of Newark, Cory Booker, proclaimed in a recent uh, press conference when he was asked about this particular issue, Dear God, we should not be putting civil rights issues to a popular vote to be subject to the sentiments, the passions of the day. No minority should have their rights subject to the passions and the sentiments of the majority. Mayor Booker says they've created a second-class citizenship in his state. Booker talks about his state not having the courage to do the right thing under the last two governors. Governor Chris Christie vetoed a bill that had passed in New Jersey, legalizing gay marriage. Mitt Romney not only doesn't support marriage equality but opposes civil unions. How much of a bigot does one have to be to prove, to, to prove that he is in order to appeal to the Republican Party? Bill O'Reilly says that if we start legalizing gay marriage and gay sex, pretty soon we'll be marrying turtles. Even Governor George W. Bush supported civil unions. Even Dick Cheney supports gay marriage. President Obama had the courage to stand up for equality and to stand on the right side of history. 
Bullied kids have hope. Same-sex couples have the president on their side. And nobody ever needs to feel like a second-class citizen ever again. So to that Facebook post from my friend, I say, nay, you made me feel a certain way. All right, well, tonight on the show, we've got Darius Lux, and uh, I'm going to play a song of his. So here we go. Let's play the song. It is called The Best Day.
guest tonight was named one of the top 100 hottest unsigned artists by Music Connection magazine. Please welcome to Blaze and Rye, Darius Love. Hey, Blaze and Rye, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm happy the spring is here, you know? <laughs> now, where are you from, Darius? Um, I'm originally from London. Okay. And then, and then I went to school in New in... York. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Sarah Lawrence. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> so, so you went to school in New York, and then recently you moved out to L.A.? Yeah, I've been out here about four years. Four years. Okay, so what made you decide to leave an amazing city like New York and travel to live in a miserable city like Los Angeles? <laughs> I keep asking myself that. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. New York. I mean, I had the time of my life there, you know. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, just, I, I can barely even keep up with, you know, the memories of it. There are just so many layers to being in that city. Um I think it's also a place that you have to like totally want to be there to be in it, you know, and I got to the point where I just hungered for other things and um you know, Los Angeles is is really like there's so many little um communities and areas that you can just that are very close distance where you can just you know, you can go and surf, you can go and ski, it's just uh, more rounded now, you know, more balanced. When I was there, it wouldn't really matter if things were close distance because you could pull your car out of the driveway at 8 a.m. and then all of a sudden it's 6 p.m. and you're still in the same place and you just pull right back in and you wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Yeah, that's that's what it seemed like when I was first coming out here when I was living in New York. I The last thing I expected was wanting to come West Coast, you know, especially I was like really in that East Coast mentality of like, yo, you know, New York City is the best, you know, and um, <laughs> so it's it's nice when life surprises you that, that way. But you've got to find a, a groove with the place, you know. And do you surf? I um I my New Year's resolution was the same it's been for the last few years, which is to learn how to surf and I'm I'm really committed to going for it this year. I can get up there on my knees, it's just getting on my feet that is the the next level. Uh, that's scary. It's a workout. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about y- your music. You've been compared to uh Jason Mraz and Maroon Five. Now Mraz and Adam Levine are not our biggest problems. What are you doing to get rid of John Mayer? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's he had a problem with his voice, right? Is that still happening to him right now? Let's hope so. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 have no, I didn't even hear that. <laughs> yeah, um, because I know he had a new record he, he just put out, and then there was like a whole worldwide tour that was put up behind it, and then um, they found some kind of growth on his vocal cords, so... um. Maybe that voodoo doll you have of him is working. (laughs) Fair enough. And since you are both rock and R&B, amongst other things, would you rather be compared to Creed, Nickelback, R. Kelly, or Justin Bieber? Wow. Um, That's a great question. Uh, well, I'm not going to say Justin Bieber because I can't I can't stand next to a light that shines that brightly. Um, I thought Creed were a great band, honestly. So mm-hmm. many of their songs rock. I hear them play on the radio. Nickelback songs sound good as well, so any of those are good. Okay. 
Who's your favorite out of those four? Out of the R. Kelly, hands down. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I get a lot of flack for that, but he is my favorite artist. Um, The the music sounds great. You know, I know there there are friends I have who, you know, because it's what's happened with R. Kelly, uh, disapproving of listening to it, but I'm like, you can't stop the speaker sound that good when he's playing, you know? Oh, absolutely. Now, Scuggly Records calls your music brilliant, but in the same review, they spell learned, learnt, L-E-A-R-N-T. Does that make the fact that they called you brilliant, does, does that cancel out the brilliant, the fact that they're not smart enough to spell learned correctly? Well, they're Australian, so Australians kind of speak um, slightly more of old-fashioned version of England and the English than they do in America, so it, it, it could be a use of it that you could get away with, especially if they're calling me brilliant. I defend them completely. Okay. Is there still a, a rift between the British and the Australians? Is there still... Uh, I used to, When I studied in London, I would always hear that the English didn't like the Australians and vice versa. To some extent, I think um, when I was growing up in London... There was often, you know, English people would joke that Australians were like bartenders normally because a lot of the Australians who came to London, that was an easy job for them to get. So there was like a little bit of that that went on. But um, I traveled through Australia and I I was going, I was backpacking and I was getting rides from people and the trucks and cars and and in their lorries and that. And um, they were so friendly, you know, I didn't pick up any of that when I was there. Okay. They love Americans as well. Do they? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's. I also experienced that in England. Anytime people heard my accent, they would uh, uh, say that. I mean, they were usually asking for change on the street, but they they still said, "Oh, you're from the states," and got excited about it. Um, yeah. So, uh, Celebrity Cafe Review Darius says that you're using your music to send a message. What is this message, and why does no reviewer or critic ever include the message in his critique or review? Um, I think that some of the first record, some of the reviews of the first record were maybe a bit more aware of the message. Um, the second record was kind of, um, I switched lanes for several different reasons with it. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily get picked up that much of the time. Um, maybe because the message continues to evolve. I mean, the, the first record was very much about empowerment and making the absolute best of everything. Um, Idealistically, um, and then the second record where you played "Best Day of My Life" just now before you got on the phone, that record was kind of like about kind of hitting the ground running in LA, getting a band together, getting out there, and, and it's a lot of work, and you know there, it isn't always positive. <laughs> um, and so I kind of included that more in the lyrics on this latest record. So a song like "Best Day of My Life," I mean, the verses are kind of talking about all the things, the difficulties and the frustrations on a daily basis. And then the chorus is this affirmation of, I'm still going to make it the best day. So I'd say that is largely kind of the message that's in there. Um, Maybe I should uh, write a record that's even more obvious so the reviewers start picking up on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so it's kind of making the best of any situation, kind of? Yeah, I'd have to say so. Okay. I, you just, I mean, being part part of the reason I left New York City was just 
after September 11th happened, you know, and it, it shifted the place like that so much. And it was a place that always felt indestructible. Um, and then it suddenly didn't for a moment in time. Um, but with everything, you know, even watching that city repair itself, it, there just had to be that process of, like, focusing on what good there is still here and building it back up again. Right, absolutely. Um, and I'd say that's an important message to send. Uh, your your bio says that you have an appreciation for 90s hip-hop. Can you tell me what artist? Um, well, I was in New York um, for a lot of the 90s, and uh, that city is just, to, to me, it was like being hit over the head with the hip-hop sock, and I, that's all I heard around me a lot of the time. <laughs> um, I mean, there were kids in school who were bringing records that they'd already been listening to, whether it was like Black Sheep. Um, but the, the, the main one really was, I was there for the whole Wu-Tang evolution, and that was very fun. Um, with the whole okay. collective coming out and then them making their own records and going off in the separate past and getting back together again. And, um, you know, there's so many of those guys make great, great records by themselves. Liquid Swords by Jizza was just mind-blowingly good. I mean, it was, it's not better than the main Wu-Tang hit that they had, you know, and it just happened to be one side project of that group. Mm-hmm. I grew up with LL Cool J as well, you know, as a little kid in England. I mean, LL's just always been there. And it was it was funny moving there because you felt his presence there. You know, you felt a, a respect and awareness of him. Even though he'd gone very pop, there was still just respect for his roots being there. Absolutely. Um, any Beastie Boys influence? Yeah, the old communication record. Wow. <laughs> Do you like that one? You know, I'm I'm not really familiar with old school hip hop as much as I should be. I'm kind of I didn't really start listening until Gangsta's Paradise in 96. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a great record as well. <laughs> it was. Speaking of great records, you have a video out for this next song I'm about to play. Do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, Way That It Goes? Yeah, Way That It Goes, um, the story, you know, the lyric just evolved from seeing people around me, you know, following their dreams in a city like L.A., and you know, some of the obstacles that come in the way and, and getting past it. And um, so it, the, the story starts with a character called Little Nicky. And the, in the video, we kind of introduce that. And the second verse then goes to the story of Slim Jim. And so you kind of see both their stories interwoven in the video. Um, and it came out pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky to have filmmakers nearby in a place like L.A. who can put their passion into it and, and really make something great, even though we're working on a on a budget, you know? Sure, so it should be a, a good little fun trip for whoever wants to check it out. And you can check out that video at DariusLux.com. In the meantime, we'll play a uh, way that it goes, and we'll be right back with Darius. The more that they tell us, the less that we know. That's just the way that it goes. They said that the sunshine now we got snow
festivals right now we've got a couple pinned down the one that i know for sure is the sawdust festival in laguna july 20th we play about 7 p.m okay 
July 20th, and you played in March at the Live Poet Society. How did that go? Yeah, that was fun. It was um, hooked up to my friend up there who is part of a community there. So it was um, it was a diverse group of people. Some people had poetry, and um, other people brought several musicians with them, and some people just got up and spoke about what they feel, and it was it was a nice gathering. Awesome. Now, it so wasn't a festival, though. With festivals, you can get up on the stage and just rip it, you know. Those are, those are the most fun. <laughs> well, what if you just, maybe you could try it at the poetry thing to see what happens. Yeah. I'll invite you down next time, and you, you go for it, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, now, your first uh, EP was called Arise. Did you think that people would think that it was a Christian rock album? I didn't think that at all, no, and I've had so many people who have said that to me. I mean, it makes perfect sense really? now I look at it. Uh-huh. And then even the original artwork for it, I thought it was this really cool, like, weird illustration art, and everyone thought it was an electronica record because of the art, you know. So it's funny to see how things get in- interpreted. And it's it's impossible when you're making something to, um, you know, be completely objective about it. Right. Um, but it's a, I, yeah. I also I also feel it's almost a compliment now when they say it, they think it's a Christian record because I'm like okay so it makes you feel good <laughs> it's uplifting <laughs> I I guess so uh, and your new one is called Time Is Now um, now this is this kind of going along with your message of uh, making the the most out of uh, every day, and even though it's not all positive, you make the best out of everything. Is that kind of why you chose to, to title the album this? Yeah, that that will be pretty much one of the main aspects, absolutely. Just, you know, with, with that idea of how time only is ever really in this moment that we're in. Mm-hmm. We, might, we might be thinking about the future, like what we're going to eat later or do tomorrow, or think about what happened last year or something, but the whole time we're always in this moment here and it's also from this moment is the place that you can self-empower and activate whatever you want to do at any point in time. So time is always now. And then just in general, um, some of the lyrics are a little more political than I would normally have been. Um, And it's just in sense of how time is now just for, um, you know, us making better decisions collectively everywhere so we can move forward um, in, you know, in ways that, we haven't been doing for a little while. But mm-hmm. time is now for that. Okay. And, see, it crossed also, my mind. It, Sorry? Sorry, you carry on. <laughs> it crossed my mind that perhaps you were waging a rock battle against Ringo Starr, who has an album called Time Takes Time. <laughs> I don't mind throwing down the glove to Ringo. Sure. <laughs> That's mighty bold of you, sir. Yeah. All right. Um, now, your your bio has a passage about you choosing to let go of fear and believe in oneself instead of choosing fear. Has this been um, has this been a, a problem throughout your life, or is this kind of just more an observation of what everybody kind of does? Um, probably a bit of both. Um, I think that deciding to even just initially make a record, um, there were just lots of things I was afraid of, you know, it, it not being good enough or being rejected or being a waste of time or, 
or even just getting up in front of people. I mean, the first few shows I even played, I was just absolutely petrified. I wondered even if sound would come out of my mouth, and suddenly it was okay, you know, just by doing it and keep on taking one step forward. Then I realized that in those things, there wasn't anything to be afraid of. Um, and then, you know, the, the way that people, are, you know, we're all connected, like people have different kind of fears. Then They might not be those, but they might be about other things in their life. And, you know, from my experience and speaking with others, it seems that when you do move forward and step into it, it, it almost it disappears. Mm-hmm. Step into it, let go of the fear, just choose to do it, choose to step into it, move forward with it, and the fear goes away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you ever, and I did read, you ever go bungee jumping or skydiving? I haven't. Have you? I haven't skydived. I'd like to do that sometime soon, but the bungee jumping was something I was incredibly afraid of doing. <laughs> then mm-hmm. when I went down in that thing and then felt, you know, just drifting and so free, then I just couldn't get enough of it, you know. It's... So then uh, is that how you spend most of your days, bungee jumping? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I read, speaking of, I read that you are living your life against the grain. How so? Well, um, it's just important personally to me to kind of um, align myself with leaving a soft footprint on the planet. And, you know, when you look over a person's lifetime, the small things that we can do kind of add up and and kind of help things. So um, I actually, especially also living in L.A., I mean, I I try to harvest water here and, and keep a supply of it that I can then water the garden with, and I love to, like, grow my own vegetables and these things aren't easy to do and there's a lot of trial and error with them Um, but those are like basic things you know that you can do on a daily basis like composting all the food waste and and just having a lifestyle that um, is as least wasteful as possible and kind of can continue itself forwards so so your version of being a rebel is gardening (laughs) well it's one way (laughs) <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Darius, before we go, we're going to play a game we play on every show. It's called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you a list of things. You tell me if they're hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. First up on Hot or Hot Mess, the 405 freeway, hot or hot mess. I think you know it is a hot mess. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> Next up on Hot or Hot Mess, the 101 freeway, Hot or Hot Mess. It's a hot mess as well. How about the 134, Hot or Hot Mess? It's kind of lukewarm because it's sitting in between two hot messes. <laughs> <laughs> and how about the 5, Hot or Hot Mess? I'd say hot. What about you can the go from San Diego to San Francisco on that highway. True. What about the fact that you have to say the in front of all of these freeways as opposed to New York where you would just say get on 95, you had to say the 5, the 101. Is that hot or a hot mess? <laughs> that would have to be a hot mess. Okay. We don't want to be – ain't nobody got time to be saying those does. How about yeah, all those extra does I have to say, man. Like <laughs> extra oxygen I'm losing. 
Exactly. You better water your garden. How about Justin Bieber, hot or hot mess? Um, I'd say hot. Hot. You are a yeah. believer then. Well, you know, I see he makes the people happy that he makes happy. <laughs> I'm with you there. What about Taylor Swift, hot or hot mess? She's definitely veering into hot mess at this point. You think so? How come? Well, you know, there were interesting photos of her released. and um, Really? You know, now she's transitioning from being a, a girl into a woman. That always gets sticky around the edges. When you see it with um, you know, other cel- female celebrities, it's definitely a challenging time. Well, speaking of not a girl, not yet a woman, how about Britney Spears, hot or hot mess? Uh, I think born a hot mess. <laughs> born a hot mess. Um, okay, how about American Idol, hot or hot mess? Um, it's it's approaching being a hot mess now. Okay. Um, while we're on that, Simon Cowell, hot or hot mess? Um, I can't find the words for him. <laughs> <laughs> Is that positive or negative? Um, I've just I I'd say hot mess for him. Okay. Uh, and how about The Voice? Is The Voice hot or a hot mess? Season one was hot. I'm not sure about season two. So can I pick? I can't pick in the middle, can I? I'd say it's still hot. You, it's still hot. It's still hot. Yeah, I actually enjoyed uh, this season more than the first one. I think so. Uh, it's worth taking a look at. Um, okay, last up on Hot or Hot Mess, Lindsay Lohan, Hot or Hot Mess. Um, I think she was right there at the hospital being born with Brittany on that one. So you think that Brittany and Lindsay were born at the same in the same hospital at the same time? Under a big sign that said hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, check him out, DariusLux.com. Darius, uh, anything else you want to say before we go? Um, have a great evening, and uh, thanks for having me on your show, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, sir. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. All right. That was Darius Lux. So uh, check him out, DariusLux.com. Follow him on Twitter, Darius Lux, at Darius Lux, I should say. If you are just tuning in now, go back and listen to my certain way tonight because it was uh, one of epic proportions, I might say. I might even post it. Yeah, I think I'm going to post it as a blog post tonight on the Tumblr. Uh, so check it out, ourhomes.tumblr.com. Uh, That's ourhomes.tumblr.com. As always, check us out on our homepage, blogtalkradio.com slash blazingrye. Follow me on Twitter at blazingrye. Follow the show on Twitter at Radio. Like us on Facebook. And if you could tell your friends to like us on Facebook, that would be great. We're in a transition mode from the, the previous Facebook page, which uh, was Blazing Rye Radio blog, to now it's Blazing Rye Radio, since we've kind of entered the full-fledged radio format. Um, so uh, we're trying to get up our likes again, so hit up our Facebook, please, and tell your friends, and tell your families, and tell your uncles and sisters, and tell your cousins, sisters, and wives. Um, man, it's been, a, it's been an interesting week and a half or so, but it's it's nice to return back to something that makes me happy, and I hope we made you happy. 
Um, really enjoyed the conversation with Mr. Lux tonight. And uh, everyone take care, man. All right? Ain't nobody got time for all this fragging act of bull in the world. So just treat yourselves with respect. Treat each other well. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm straight up sounding like Jerry Springer right now. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Um, so check us out next week. We'll be back with, with new material. And in the meantime, I can think of no better way of ending this show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. Somebody ask me a martini. And also, uh, get to Barbie. Send her backwards, cut off her hair, burn her knuckles on the stove, and leave her in some drawers. Good night, everyone.